Are pride and perversity partners in crime? Find out next on Principles and Policies. Hello, this is Chuck Michaelis. I'm the chairman of the Institute for Principal Policy. I'm actually the last man standing. There really isn't a principal, uh, there isn't a Institute for Principal Policy anymore. Um, all the, uh, the main board members are long gone or, and most of the uh, guiding forces are, have passed away. So I'm kind of it. And so I will probably, well, there are a number of things that we have in mind to do for uh, the Institute. Now that doesn't mean the show uh, will change. It just means the, the umbrella under which it exists will change. That being said, um, there are things obviously that are happening in the news uh, now, from my opening, you can understand that I'm planning on talking about pride and perversity. Now, why pride and perversity as, as partners in crime? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I'll be, before we do that, I'll put in my time marker. This is the program for August 26, 2023, and I'm being it's being recorded on August 25th, 2023. Um, interestingly enough, uh, uh, on Wednesday night, this is Friday on Wednesday was of course a presidential debate. Now, what does that have to do with perversity? Well, <laughs> if you watched any section of it, uh, I did not sit down and watch it. I was actually, uh, uh, leading a church prayer group while a lot of it was going on. Um, and, uh, um, uh, from what it looks like, we should have been in prayer for a lot of the participants and especially for the so-called moderators. Uh, but that being the case, that's not really what we're into today. But it, this is a uh, what we saw was essentially an outgrowth of uh, the perversion that we've made of our political system. Uh, is there is the system broken? Oh, yeah, it's way broken. Uh, when, uh, well, all kinds of, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, why that is as we get into this. Um, but the fact is that, uh, pride, which you saw on display on Wednesday and perversity, which you saw on display on, on Wednesday, or at least the, uh, um, the product of pride and perversity put together, um, this is what we want to discuss. Now, uh, last week I had planned to do a sh this show on perversity because originally I had planned to do uh, two weeks in a row, one on pride and one on perversity. Well, I did the one on pride, I believe, on the 28th of June. Well, if any of you remember, on the 2nd of July, um, what happened? Uh, Barry Sheets, my broadcast partner, my friend, my mentor, all those things, passed away. And so my plans were put awry. 6-24-23, I ran a program on Pride Goes uh, Before Destruction and a Haughty Spirit Before a Fall. And then um, I did a show on his passing, uh, Barry's passing, on 7-8. Uh, which was actually the day that I delivered his eulogy in uh, Gallipolis, where he lived. 
was called uh, When Bad News is Really Good News. And then after that, uh, I got involved in um, running programs in support of Issue 1. And I ran one on the 15th, the 29th. And uh, then I ran a, a, a post-mortem on Issue 1 on August 5th. I ran a program on what we need to do in light of the fact that uh, issue one, which we really did need to pass and did not, uh, what we need to do. Okay, I'm now going back to the second part of my <laughs> the companion piece that goes with that uh, June 24th broadcast. And what's it on? Well, it's on perversity. Because as I said at the beginning, pride and perversity, partners in crime. And uh, what do I mean by it? And by perversity, you you may automatically, because I know a lot of people do this. I do this. What what do we mean by perversity? Well, what we mean is uh, not necessarily sexual perversion. It, it's part of the part of the uh, the picture. It's a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the whole thing. Um, it, it's important to understand that the Bible talks a lot, and I mean a lot, about perversion. And most of it, some a great deal of it, is about sexual perversion, but the rest of it is about perversion of justice and perversion of the system whereby widows and orphans are taken care of. And really the whole governmental system. And also, uh, it doesn't use the word directly that I can find, but it's also about perversion of the purpose of the church. So what I'm going to really key on today is those other pieces of the puzzle. I'm sure I'll touch on sexual perversion because, it's again, as I said, it, it's a piece of the puzzle where where pride leads to. And as we talked about, you really have to understand the mechanism of pride, which is what that show was for. And if you, those of you who like, who listen regularly know that I reran that show last week when I was actually going to try to run this show, I ran that show last week. So I didn't actually record it then. I'm recording it now, but the reason I did it that way was I wanted that that pride program fresh in your mind. Now, what's interesting about the pride program, going back to the sexual perversion, uh, I ran that during Pride Month, and I kind of did that on purpose with the hopes that in the in the first uh, week of July I'd be able to get the regular can do the second part, the perversion part. Well, it didn't work out. So I I went ahead and made the decision to run that show again. Okay, that being said, when I talk about the sexual perversion angle, um, God is very clear about that. And what's very interesting is you don't have to go very far to uh, find the world attempting to normalize what God calls an abomination. But that's always been the case. We went through periods that where people um, were more mindful of the fact that God had certain provisions and they had to be obeyed 
in order to a get his blessing and b protect yourself and your family that means you didn't go running around uh chasing women uh, if you're a man or chasing uh, men if you're a woman if you're married uh, or men chasing men women chasing women all of it's been explicitly forbidden uh by name in the scripture both old and new testaments there's no doubt about that so we can we can sort of say, say that's a done deal it's been stated now again there are forces that are attempting to uh normalize those things um all you got to do is look at th- uh, things uh, how people are reacting to that that kind of thing look at bud light uh bud light is essentially a dead letter they're not even advertising it anymore. They're not trying to revive it. I have a feeling uh, Anheuser-Busch has been forced into the position of actually having to sell off some microbreweries that they had bought. They had invested in some microbreweries, some small label breweries and that kind of thing. They're, they are divesting in those. Why are they divesting in those? Because they need the money. Why? Because they destroyed the number one brand in America by embracing marketing that um, was essentially uh, perverse. There is a man who purports to be a woman who, uh, you you know this story. You've seen it all. You've heard it all. Blah, blah, blah. I don't need to run over it. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney and all that. There's another, uh, Disney is another. Uh, Disney uh, has lost billions of dollars pushing sexual and societal perversity and it's not just sexual but it is sexual and societal transgenderism uh hyper feminism just attempting to shape the culture into a progressive paradise when in fact there is no such thing as a progressive paradise uh paradise we will not see before the second coming of the lord uh but you can create a situation uh, on earth in which uh, obedience is the norm rather than the exception. And right now, companies like Disney, like, uh, like uh, AB InBev, Anheuser-Busch InBev, uh, uh, many, 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 many other companies. It's not just them. Dick Sporting Goods, um, any company that embraces this, uh, all you got to do is look at the cosmetic companies. My gosh, what are they trying to do? Uh, they've got a lot of transgenders, uh, um, you know, applying makeup and that kind of thing. They're trying to sell. Uh, and uh, people who are making dresses for men. Because um, why would you need to make a, a dress for men? Well, that's easy because we are not built the same as the ladies. Uh Generally speaking, we have uh, broad shoulders and narrow hips, and some of us are a little bigger on the the belly and the hips than than we ought to be. Um, but uh, uh, and women have narrower shoulders in general, uh, broader hips. Uh, they, their center of gravities are different, and all that stuff. Uh, so the clothes fit them differently. And so if you want, uh, if men want to pretend they're women and dress up like it, uh, they're going to have to, to have women's clothes tailored to them or made specifically for their body types. 
If you have to work that hard, Lord, uh, there's a reason for that. God did not make you to wear women's clothes. Uh, he made you to wear men's clothes and vice versa. Now, girls can get away with, m- m- girls and women can get away with, uh, you know, the, the what used to be called, I'm going to expose my age here a little bit, <laughs> the Annie Hall look. If you remember the Annie Hall look, those of you who are old enough to remember, uh, it was a movie, it was, uh, 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 had Diane Keaton in it, and she wore she wore trousers and vests and, uh, and that kind of thing. But if you looked at the clothes that she was wearing, yes, yeah, she wore what would normally, you know, quote unquote normally, look like uh, men's clothes, but they were tailored for women. So she was sort of doing a, uh, um, uh, she was appropriating a men's look and feminizing it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of men are appropriating a woman's look, and as much as they can't stand the idea, they're trying to um, masculize it, and you can't. <laughs> it doesn't work the other way. Women can get away with a lot more stuff than men can. Uh, in fashion. Um, now, um, you know, um, there are people who squawk because, you know, modern women wear pants and all that. That doesn't bother me. Um, it's, uh, it's easy for, it's easier for them in a work environment and that kind of thing. But uh, a lot of the same women also occasionally wear dress. Uh, my wife likes, my wife wears pants, but she also wears dresses. And uh, the pants that she wears are cut for her feminine physique. Okay, that being said, so can dress be perverse? Yes, it can. Uh, does it fly in the face of societal norms? Yeah, that's why a lot of people do it. Uh, a lot of women were rebelling against the idea that they should always have to wear a dress. Okay, that's fine. I get it. Uh, I don't have a again. I don't have a problem with that. Where we run into trouble is when we have companies that are out there trying to blur the lines. Now, look, the the NCAA, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, is attempting to blur the lines between men and women. There is a progressive, a goofy progressive perversion that men and women are physically the same. Deep down, men and women are are exactly the same. Ladies and gentlemen, we know, you and I both know, or all of us in the audience know, instinctively, that is wrong. Women are smaller than men. Women are not as strong as men. We are physically larger. We are physically more strong. And when... Uh, Women do things, compete against men in in um, physical sport. Men clean their clock, and you can see that the 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 attempted perversion of that in the idea that, uh, for instance, John McEnroe got in trouble. I'm going to paraphrase a lot here because I don't have it right in front of me. But John McEnroe McEnroe got in trouble because he was asked about. Uh, Serena Williams, who is a, a probably the best female tennis player ever. And he said that. She is probably the best female tennis player ever. 
And the interviewer said, why not just the best player ever? In other words, that she could hold her own against any any man. And he said, because she's a woman. If she goes into onto the court against a, a, a ranked ma- male player, she will get run all over the court and she will have her pants beat off. Not literally uh figuratively she'll ha- she will be beaten to a pulp on the court now they did not like this and they went after McEnroe and tried to cancel him over this and and here's the problem i have seen with my own eyes serena williams uh interviewed on that subject and in fact i'm aware of the fact that she played a 200th ranked male player on the circuit 200th ranked not not top tier and she got beat and she was beat rather handily why well she here she herself explains it she goes look the men's and women's game is different and i will i'm not a huge tennis fan but i like to watch it uh i will attest to that the men's game is power the women's game is finesse now, Serena Williams is a powerful female player. This is what, one of the reasons why she is, if not the greatest, one, certainly one of the greatest female tennis players of all time. She has finesse and power. But she doesn't have enough power to beat a man. And she says that. She goes, I would never play a top-ranked man because I don't want to be embarrassed. And that's understandable. She knows she can't win. So we live in a society where we're trying to, to uh, jam men into women's events, which is what, what is really happening. We, what, what's going on is men uh, realize that they're not good enough to compete in the men's sport. They're not good enough at track. They, they just don't have the talent. Uh, they don't have the training. Uh, a lot of men, look, uh, I could have run track in high school and I would have been an okay. I was very good at the high jump. I was very good at other events, uh, which I found, found out late in my career, <laughs> uh, when we took a phys ed grouping and it turned out I was very good at the hurdles. Uh, I actually almost beat the high jump guy from our, our high school team when we took a unit of outdoor track, uh, in the high jump. And the only reason I didn't beat him is because I pulled a muscle. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's my excuse. Yeah, yeah, I pulled a muscle, pulled a muscle. I did pull a muscle, and, and I probably would have beaten him. Which, But could I have competed at the state level? Oh, no, I'd have, I would have been steamrolled at the state level. And the same thing with the hurdles. I would have been steamrolled by the other. Why? I hadn't been training my whole life to do that. I didn't really have the right stuff to compete at that level. Could I have trained and gotten higher and maybe been able to at some point to, yeah, I probably could have competed at the lower end of the state level. That's what we're talking about. Guys who can't do that. Guys who, who at swimming, at track, in soccer, even, uh, guys who who can't do that who say you know all i gotta do is grow my hair long take some hormone 
therapy and uh, uh, put on a girl's uniform and I can go over and compete against the girls and they do and guess what what do you know the men in those events calling themselves women competing as a woman when they are in fact a man are able to regularly take state championships away from the women who are excellent athletes and really do have the stuff and really do have the talent and really do have the work ethic to uh, get up to that level and then move on to the college level. But guess what? They're running into the same obstacles. We have a perverse society based on our pride. If you don't think that, that these guys are doing this so they can go brag that they won the state championship, you're kidding yourself. They want a state championship and they want it bad enough that they are willing to pervert the entire picture of what the sport is supposed to be about in order to beat women who can be beaten because they're smaller and they're not as strong. Women, uh, even women, I I've watched some women's uh, track events that are frankly spectacular. Uh, women, uh, um, and I've watched mixed uh, events wherein men and women run a mixed relay. And what becomes important is when you put the men in and when you run your, the women. <laughs> because very often the men are the anchors. Why? Because they can make up for lost territory against the women because they can run so much faster than they can. I've seen 50 yards or more made up by an, a high-kick anchor man who's running against a, a woman in a college uh, mixed track event. And they're kind of interesting to watch. I, I'm not saying this to belittle the women. I think the women should be able to compete among themselves because a lot of them are vying for college scholarships. And that's a noble thing. They want to be able to work their way through college on a sports scholarship. Now, you may say, well, that's not much work. How, how, how often have you trained for a sporting event? It's a year-round proposition. If you're running track, if you're uh, swimming, if you're playing soccer, if you're playing volleyball, if you're playing softball, you don't give up in the off-season. You work out. And you work out because your scholarship livelihood depends upon you being able to continue to compete at that level. They've given you money and they've given you tutors and they've given you all kinds of things to get you through college. And for the reason that it is attractive for the college to have for instance, a, uh, in female events, to have national champions at the female, uh, in female uh, sports. Now, what you don't see is like football and that kind of thing. There have been women who have attempted to play in NCAA football. They don't, honestly, they don't do well. Usually they're, they're a kicker or that kind of thing, and they can't really take the punishment.
it's uh, sometimes at the high school level, uh, a woman is allowed to play a girl is allowed to play, play a punter or a, a plates kicker or that kind of thing. But all it takes is a 280 pound lineman to break the line and, and, uh, knock this, uh, maybe 145 pound girl bones can be broken. And the same thing can be said for, you know, uh, quarterbacks who you know being crushed by 300 pound guys but generally we can take it a little better why because we're bigger and we're stronger and we're generally faster how many times have you seen a female kicker uh who, who on a busted play pick up the ball and run 40 yards for a first down you've never seen it a because a they don't play that much in in at that level and b they can't do it they will be uh, outrun by defensive linemen in that situation. And honestly, if they're holding the ball, they'll get crushed. These are facts. You may not like it. it may, you may think it's harsh. But these are facts. Now, what have we got going on? We have men attempting to force women out of the, out of the college scholarship, uh, what amounts to competition. Why? Because they want those scholarships. They want to be able to compete for scholarships they can't compete for at the men's level. So they just pretend like they're a woman. And because we have perverted the definition of man and woman, and a man, I'll be, here's the definition. A man born with XY chromosomes who has all the male characteristics and even the ones who have developmental anomalies where that has to be repaired physically, uh, surgically and that kind of thing. Still a man, still a man. And a woman is, is a person born with two X chromosomes and all the accoutrements that go along with that. Uh, all the, uh, the, the plumbing, if you will. And the fact is that's what a man and a woman is. You cannot decide, uh, it's a perversity, for you to decide, I want to be the other sex. In fact, it's a mental illness. What the real perversity is, is allowing people to say that I'm a woman when they're a man, and I'm a man when, I'm, when they're a woman. That's the real perversity, and that's what's happening. People are trying to pervert society into accepting those kinds of things. And what's behind it all? Pride. Pride. Now, are there women, uh, the women who want to play in men's sports that, for instance, want to become the place kickers and, or sometimes even quarterbacks or whatever, um, and are maybe good at, at the position, but they're not good enough to compete at, uh, really high-level uh, competitive sports. What's what's the perversion? We allow that to happen. We allow that to... We're allowing people to drag our thinking by propagandizing, uh, uh, propagandizing us with what amounts to psychological mumbo-jumbo. If we don't allow children to, uh, uh, quote-unquote, 
transform themselves from one sex into another. You cannot transform yourself from one sex into another. God assigned your sex at at conception, not at birth. We we hear a lot about uh, sex assigned at birth. No, no, no. Not at birth, at conception. And as Christians, we need to think about it in those terms. This is about how God made us at conception. Anything else is a perversity. And what does that mean? Did God decide whether we are a man or a woman or a male or a female? The answer is, of course he did. He knew up front what we were going to be. That's not on autopilot. It's not a, not a question of what random chance God rolled the dice and voila, the girls and boys. Why do you think the ratio is more or less 50-50? Men, women, because God designed the system so that there were 50% men and 50% women. Now, are there anomalies? Are there weird cases? Are there genetic mistakes? Yeah, there's all kinds of genetic mistakes. They're extremely rare. Extremely rare. Uh, I've had people say, well, it's, it's less rare than, than you think. And no, it's not. I'm a, I'm a biochemist. I know what the numbers are. It's somewhere between 1 and 7 and 10,000 births, depending on the, on the, uh, the particular... De- uh, development well that is a developmental anomaly because uh, just simply too many chromosomes and I can tell you that some of those uh, some of those things are fatal some of them things have no effect whatsoever a woman with three X chromosomes will probably never know it unless she goes in for genetic testing for some other reason she might be very feminine a man with two Y's, or double XY, or XXYY, some of those can have all kinds of weird symptoms. And and women very can have uh, four X's, and, and that one, as I recall, may be fatal. Um, but there are there are developmental anomalies, but again, extremely rare. If you think about how many people are born in the United States a year, that means the number of those people born every year is very small. Very small. And think even worldwide, very small. So we're trying to, to make the norm out of the exception. You can't do it that way. Uh, what do we do about those people? Well, we accommodate as best we can um, under the under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, be in prayer, and uh, under the guidance of the doctors, you do your best to help those people live a uh, a healthy life and lifestyle. Okay, let's go back to this this idea of perversion now. What does the Bible speak of? We've just gone over this idea that corporations and the NCAA are attempting to pervert our ideas about what men and women are and, and, and again, push the false notion that there's no difference between men and women. My gosh, there, there is a difference. Look, can men and women compete in chess? Yes, they can. Unfortunately... Men still outperform women. Why? It's biochemical. 
for some reason, men tend to be able to play chess. Now, there are plenty of good women chess players. I'm sure I would be thumped. I haven't played chess in years. Uh, I used to pay attention to chess. Um, but And I, I, I'm aware that that I, I every once in a while I'll watch one of those little uh, street chess deals where people go in and they'll play, chess, they'll play speed chess and they'll trash talk one another. And I've watched some of these, uh, these uh, women go in and these street trash talkers who are, are very good at chess, very, very good, probably ratings of, uh, if you're familiar at all with the ratings, 1,800, 1,900. Well, some of these girls go in there and rated 2,000 <laughs> and, and above. Um, why? Well, their parents both played chess. They're both chess um, uh, champion-level chess players. And they learn chess from a very young age, so they go in and they do very well. Can they play the guy like Magnuson? They can play him, and they may beat him once or twice. But do they? Can they beat him regularly enough to become the world chess champ? No, they can't. Why? Women's brains don't work the same as men. Why? Biochemistry. Again, I'm a biochemist. We're different. We have different chemicals roaming around through our bodies that have different effects on our aggressiveness, on our thought processes, all those things. And to say otherwise is a perversion. And again, the uh, groups like the NCAA and state sanctioning bodies are saying we really don't care about any of that. All we want is to affirm these people who want to be the other sex. It's most... It's more important for us to affirm that to avoid, uh, you know, mental breakdowns and that kind of thing, like they're not already mentally broken down. Uh, so to do that, we'll allow men to uh, move in and cream women at their own, their uh, uh, at their own sport that they're very good at at their level. Uh, they're the best maybe in the world at their level, but they still got beaten by guys. Okay, let's go over to other kinds of perversion. Uh, other kinds of perversion involved, uh, well, God, God lays it out. Proverbs seventeen twenty. He who has a crooked mind finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. Now, what does that mean? That means if you're crooked in your mind, you can't do good. You you may uh, be able to pull it off, and and it's speaking in in uh, um, terms of uh, uh, the perverse versus those who are uh, good. Um, basically, um, basically, I. The Bible is replete with references to perversion. Here, here's an early one. Exodus 23, 8. You shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of the just. In some version it says, and perverts justice. Okay? That is, th that statement is talking about a bribe perverting justice. Do we live in an era now where we have injustice because we have two justice systems? 
do we have two justice systems? And the answer is yes, we do. It's not just, it's at all levels. It's not just at the high level. It's at all levels. We have uh, people who aren't prosecuted because the, uh, we have children committing crimes who get a lesser slap on the wrist because their parents are quote-unquote good people. Did they do the crime or did they not? Are, you know, what are the ameliorating circumstances about uh, their position in the community? There isn't any. Sometimes those kids need to be punished just as much as, for instance, an inner-city child who, can, who commits a similar crime but has no, not the same standing in the community, if you will. Sometimes they'll receive much worse, uh, much more uh, draconian justice, quote-unquote justice. Is that right? No, that's a two-tier justice system. Should it be allowed to continue? No, it should not. Christians should be railing against that kind of thing. Uh, don't worry, I have not gone woke, but I'm fully aware that there is a two-tier justice system. It also happens at the upper levels. When somebody rips off people who have invested their life savings into something so they can retire, and in fact are sold a bill of goods through unscrupulous stock manipulators, uh, are, their accounts are churned, so that, uh, and by turning, I mean buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, supposedly to get the person a higher return, but really to make sure that the person doing the buying and selling gets their commission, which is very often what happens. Uh, or people who, uh, for instance, uh, corporate raiders who go in and raid um, um, pension funds. And what happens to them? Well, they get caught and they get... They'll get a fine and they'll get, uh, uh, Michael Milken w was one of the ones that really got, I mean, he really ripped people off. Those of you who are my age, I'm in my uh, mid sixties, uh, can remember Michael Milken. I mean, he really robbed little old ladies blind. Uh, what does he do now? Well, he goes around and does charitable things and that kind of thing. Did he do a little bit of prison time? Yes. Did he do enough? No, he did not. That's a perversion of justice. If you and I went in and just simply stuck a gun in the ribs of the same old lady and made her sign over all her goods and assets to us and took all her money, what would happen to us? We'd be in the deepest, darkest prison for decades, and we would deserve it. Did Michael Milken deserve to do more time? Oh, yes, he did, and not in a one of those uh, federal um, country clubs. He deserved to be in the deepest, darkest dungeon of the worst prison available. Okay? Uh, the fact that he does charitable work now, I don't know, even know if he's still alive. Uh, this was in the 80s. Uh, there are numerous numerous examples of this the savings and loan debacle um where essentially some guys in the savings and loan thing and again in the 80s um ran their snls extremely shadily 
shall we say, in a perverse fashion. Yeah, they did that. Uh, they manipulated numbers. They made things look like they were better than they were. They uh, just went on and on and on. Well, what did that do? That led to the overreaction, in my opinion, of the federal government who then went through and took over all the uh, state-regulated uh, savings and loans. And some of them, they picked them up and just simply took them away from the stockholders and uh, sold them to uh, banks and other larger corporations. Again, a perversion of justice. So, well, you can't operate on your own. You, you, you need us to do this for you. That's a perversion of justice. All you got to do right now is take a look at what's going on in politics. Donald Trump, um, love him or hate him. The fact is that he's being railroaded. Other people have done, for crying out loud, the sitting president of the United States had classified documents in a box in his garage next to his Corvette. Donald Trump had it locked up in a room in Mar at Mar-a-Lago. And the fact is that he still says, and his main defense, because the person who's able to do this does it, he declassified the documents that he had in his room locked up. Uh, so what difference do we see in the way those are handled? We don't, we see a huge difference. Why? Because Donald Trump is an outsider in politics and Joe Biden is an insider in politics. The people who are inside in politics don't like the fact that an outsider gained the presidency of the United States and frankly did a better job than they could while he was in his term of office. And the fact is that... Donald Trump believes, and I believe, and many, many, many of us believe that the election was stolen. We think there's ample evidence, and of course, uh, that could get me canceled. Um, that could get me uh, derided in public and that kind of thing. The fact is that uh, enough anomalies have been discovered to, you know, when, when you are supposed to count votes in public and you tape up uh, sheets of paper over the windows so you can count late, uh, just found ballots uh, in order uh, when, when uh, Trump is ahead and all of a sudden when they're done, he's behind. There's a problem. Uh, when all counts are stopped, uh, there's a problem. It's a perversion, folks. The laws have been perverted. Uh, the laws were perverted uh, during the pandemic to change the way we vote and the way ballots are counted and collected. That's a perversion. There are all kinds of perversions going on. Donald Trump just got, uh, just got uh, indicted in Georgia on what appear to be absolutely bogus charges. Um, and uh, charges that are really not in even in the purview of the state, uh, Georgia. They seem to be 
in the federal realm, and they'll probably be petitioning to take it out of the state of Georgia and put it on, uh, put it in the federal in the federal realm. I don't know if that helps or not, or even if it's perverse or not. In the in, in, constitutionally, elections are in are uh, under the purview of the state governments. The states are supposed to be the ones who are the final arbiter of uh, counting and and laws and that kind of thing. And the federal government has stepped in and said, because it's federal, we're, we have to uh, we have to be in charge. Well, that's not what the Constitution says. The Constitution is very clear. That's a uh, that's a state prerogative. Um, nonetheless, uh, it is what it is, and we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but there are any number of, and again, what is the driving force behind this perversion of justice? Making sure that the insiders are protected. Making sure that the outsiders are are punished probably outside the bounds of actual justice. What's the driving force? It's pride. It's pride and arrogance. Now, you, you may say, well, Donald Trump's one of the most prideful individuals. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um... You know, I'm not pushing Donald Trump as the be-all and end-all. Uh, I think he's his own worst enemy, and I think that he needs to shut his mouth and listen sometimes. Uh, but he doesn't do that. The real perversity is in the things that were done to him by people he hired to work in his cabinet and trusted because his chief advisors, who unfortunately were insiders told him to hire these people. And these these people immediately turned around and stuck a knife in his back. Why? Because the system is perverse. And there's a pride of having achieved this high level of government office that they had to work for and they had to play the games of the parties and play the games of the politicians to get there. And the fact is, they don't like the fact that Donald Trump was able to come in, point out the fact that they were perverting justice and perverting the system, and beat them at their own game, and got into office, and immediately attempted to uh, right the wrongs. Now, here's the problem. There are so many wrongs and so many perversions, you can't, he could not possibly have fixed them all in a single four-year term. I'm not sure he could have fixed them in a an eight-year term because he unfortunately brought in people who sat around and let justice be perverted. His own attorney general proved himself an insider in the way he handled some of these special investigations and things. His FBI director, after he fired um, the one who essentially so badly perverted justice that it was obvious to everyone, including those in, insiders in the news media who don't like Donald Trump, they were aware that there, there was a serious problem with James Comey and that kind of thing. Um, that being said, um, 
what do you do about it? What are we going to do about it? Are we going to elect an, uh, another set of criminals to come in and, per- and continue to pervert justice? And uh, I- I've already seen commentaries that people are, uh, oh gosh, wasn't so-and-so so great in the debate. Well, the Trumpers will never let him get elected. You're right, we won't. And again, I'm only supporting Trump because of what he's done, not because of that he is the most wonderful person on the planet. I don't think he is. Um, But the fact is, he knows there's perversion at the government level, and he won't play ball with it. Um, I can tell you, most of the other people on that stage, uh, the only only one who... (laughs) The honestly, who who was considered to be have won that debate on Wednesday, was Vivek Ramaswamy. Why? Because he's an outsider and he can look in and see where the rod is. That's why Ramaswamy. He didn't tow the company mark. He's not talking about invading Mexico or having a war with Ukraine. The same old talking points that the GOP and the Democrat Party have been pushing for decades. Ramaswamy is talking differently. Um, Barry Sheets and I ran a show back when uh, Barry was uh, still doing broadcast. If you go back at principledpolicy.com, that's principledpolicy.com. If you go back there and look, you'll see that we talked about the Republican presidential field. And we talked about what they're actually running for. Frankly... Uh, some of them did not acquit themselves well, but the vast majority of those people on that stage were running for vice president. Don't kid yourself. Doug Burgum is not really running for president. No one thinks that the governor of North Dakota has much going on, idea-wise, and th- those kinds of things. Okay? Nobody thinks that. Would he be good? Uh, I I don't know enough about his record. But I know that Nikki Haley certainly won't do anything to clean up the swamp. She spoke directly to the people in the swamp. Um, Mike Pence? Mike Pence has shown himself to be an evangelifish. He has no guts at all. Um, and he proved that as governor of Indiana, I, I was very disappointed when Trump picked him to be his vice president. I know what he was doing. He was, uh, he was pandering to the, the Christian conservatives who don't know that much about Mike Pence's record. Mike Pence made many big, big, big mistakes while he was governor of Indiana. One of which was turning a, uh, uh, a, uh, Business Protection Act into a uh, non-discrimination act uh, because why? Because the Chamber of Commerce told him that they were going to uh, start pulling out uh, and boycotting Indiana because Indiana had a um, a uh, allowed businesses to uh, protect themselves against people who would go in and demand, for instance, uh, 
that uh, a Christian business bake a, a wedding cake for a gay for a gay wedding. Um, and uh, the Indiana legislature came out, supposedly a Republican group, and turned that law. Mike had signed it. Pence had signed the thing, and in a week they changed it into a, a non-discrimination law. Flipped it on its head 180 degrees, and Mike signed it. Uh, did nothing to stop it. Uh, that's the problem. That's the perversity that comes from pride that now has Mike Pence thinking that he can go in there and say, look what, look at my record. Well, I've looked at it, and no thank you. Uh, Ron DeSantis makes, makes good, nice noises, but then he plays ball with the, the old GOP bad players. All the, uh, the, um, all the swamp people. Uh, DeSantis plays ball with them and is even talking about, you know, uh, more warmongering for uh, Ukraine and Mexico and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's a perversion. Uh, we shouldn't be talking about um, about war. Okay. Uh, Isaiah 47.10 has something very interesting uh, about that. Um, you felt secure in your wickedness and said, no one sees me. There's that pride angle. Your wisdom and your knowledge, they have deluded you. More pride. For you have said in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. There's that pride. But it leads to perversion. It leads to sin. You've got your wickedness. You, you're assuming that no one can see you. You have all this wisdom and knowledge. And, and you've said... I am. That's a declar. That is a declaration of deity, as we all know. God's God says, "I am, I am," and there is no one besides me. It's a declaration of independence from God. That is what brings perversion. Um, Deuteronomy sixteen nineteen to go back to justice. You shall not distort justice, you shall not be partial, and you shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Is a bribe always money? Is it? I ask you folks, is a bribe always money? Sometimes it's power. Sometimes it's the accoutrements. The things that go along with the... the uh, what did Jesus say about uh, the Pharisees taking the best seats in the synagogue? It's those best seats. It's people welcoming them and saying, oh, please sit here. And pushing the the poor and the uh, oppressed to sit on the floor or to stand. Um, the foolishness, this is Proverbs 19.3. The foolishness of man ruins his way and his heart rages against the Lord. That's what we're dealing with. When people in their pride and their arrogance and their knowledge, you know, th think in terms of quote-unquote psychologists, in their knowledge, uh, they do things like 
come out and say that uh, we have to allow people to decide what and declare what sex they are on their own. Um, that's a foolish thing. It's an arrogant thing based on knowledge. The foolishness of man ruins his way and his heart rages against the Lord. But we also see in the Bible, we also see uh, he who walks in integrity, by the way, I'm sorry, this is Proverbs 10, 9. He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. And also Proverbs 14, 2. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. Those two go together. Now, Proverbs 10, 9. He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. But found out by who? Found out by those who have developed the discernment that God has given those who have the Holy Spirit Remember, that discernment is a gift from God. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's a an important thing to understand that if you have the Holy Spirit, you should have or develop the discernment that he is giving you. Okay? Proverbs 19.1 kind of, kind of puts the ribbon on the, the package. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in speech and is a fool. What does the fool do? The fool believes he can get away because of his position with his evil, because no one sees it. And in fact, we live in an age when no one sees that evil. Why? Look, if it doesn't tell you, if you're not hearing the news, if you're watching network news or reading uh, mainstream newspapers and are only following mainstream media, you're not hearing about the perversion of justice. Why? Because the people in those agencies like the perversion of justice. They like getting invited to the cocktail parties. They like hobnobbing with these high-power individuals, they like all that. And therefore, they play the game. And the game is, look away from the perversion, and you will be rewarded. You will, you will get the accoutrements. You will get the money. You will get the uh, continued power. That kind of thing. The continued accolades. Uh, very often, I see people who are given an award, for, you know, a journalistic award. It's sort of like watching Hollywood give e pat each other on the back and give each other awards. Does it, you know, I haven't watched the Oscars in years. Why? Because it, it's a lot of bad people giving bad people awards. Sometimes a decent movie will win Best Picture. Sometimes decent actors will win Best Actor. Uh, but usually it's for, it's political. And it's political because of pride and perversion. That's the bottom line. It's about pride and perversion. So are pride and perversion partners in crime? And the answer is yes, they are. Okay. Now, you know what I think. I want to know what you think. 
www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And I would ask that you would uh, join me again next week for another Principles and Policies.